It is Tuesday, October 20th. My name is Trent Reinsmith, and this is another edition of the Daily Come On Now MMA podcast. Today's topics, Habib Nurmagomedov uh, doesn't have time for the shit that Stephen A. Smith was asking, and he pretty much told him so. Francis Ngannou is in a bad spot, and he doesn't have many options. One of his options is to take a fight outside of a title fight, but we'll see if he does that. Mike Perry's ex-wife, Danielle Nickerson, detailed her alleged abuse at the hands of Perry to MMA Junkie. I discuss what the UFC should do, what the MMA media should do, and more. Now, on with the show. Habib Nurmagomedov seems to be maybe into his weight cut. He was on ESPN today. And, of course, he was asked about how his, what he thought of his legacy and what he needed to become the greatest ever. And he said he needed a couple more fights. And then, of course, the question comes out who's, who he's going to fight next. And it leads to Max Kellerman and Stephen A. Smith discussing Conor McGregor because, of course, if you are fighting Habib, are talking to Habib, well, then you got to ask him about McGregor because, of course, you do, even though the fight is nonsensical because he just ran over McGregor in the first matchup. And so here is how that went, and it, it didn't go good for the ESPN hosts. Habib, if you win and you're favored to do so, you've never lost 28-0 18 times inside the distance, best pound-for-pound fighter in the world, trying, as you said, to be the best ever. You need a few more fights. Um, to, to cement your legacy, you feel. If you win, and in fact, Conor McGregor fights Poirier and beats him, are you interested in that rematch? You know, I don't like the word if, if, if. It's like... Uh, well, certain, you have to just certainly, you're have planning to be- on winning this fight, right? And you're favored to do so. Yes. So I assume if you need some more fights for your legacy, that would include defending your title. Mm-hmm. The logical contender would be the winner of McGregor and Poirier. So, so w- let me ask it a different way. Would you have any objection to fighting McGregor again if he puts himself in position to challenge for your title? Uh, you know, about both of them, uh, I finished both of them and uh, finished in a dominant position, you know, dominant, with dominant performance. And I'm not interested on both of the, these guys because I need something new, I need something new blood, new energy, you know. Like Justin Gaethje gave me new, new motivation, you know. He's real deal, right now he's interim champ, he's a very tough guy. and. Uh, if, we, if I think about uh, both Dustin and Connor, they don't give me good energy. They don't give me motivation. Fight for what? For what? For my legacy? I already put these guys on my, uh, on my desk, you know? I already beat them. Everything finished with these guys, you know? I, I, I need new some, someone. I understand you need, new, you, you need somebody new. I totally get that. But a lot of times, particularly in the fight game, You talk about giving the people what they want to see. One of the things that I said last week Mm -hmm. talking about you, sir, was that you really, really don't want to fight somebody like Conor McGregor again, primarily because you don't like him. 
and you think fighting him again gives him attention that you don't believe he deserves. How accurate is that? Right now, even I don't want to talk about this shit. If you're looking for a way to cut the conversation off, just follow the lead of Habib <laughs> Nurmagomedov because he just cut Stephen A. Smith off. So I guess Smith got his answer. Habib doesn't want to give McGregor attention. And I understand that because all McGregor desires is attention. We saw that in the lead up to the first fight. We didn't see so much of that in, in the aftermath of the fight because McGregor got run over. And so I think Habib Nurmagomedov is right here. For what? Why should he fight McGregor or Poirier again? The fights were not close. I mean, Poirier went to his corner and told him that he, they, he couldn't get Nurmagomedov off of him. McGregor tried to defuse things in the cage by saying something like it was just, you know, business or something. Nurmagomedov had no interest in just being business. He had a point to prove. He proved that point. He ran over McGregor, tapped him out. He ran over Poirier, tapped him out. There's no reason to run that rematch. And Stephen A. Smith asked, give the, give the people what they want. Give the fans what they want. Who are these fans clamoring for Nurmagomedov and a McGregor rematch? Who, what fan saw that fight and said, you know what? He needs a rematch. The only person that saw that fight that I, that I can think of and said that he needs a rematch is Dana White because he knows this box office gold. Anyone that watches the sport on a regular basis saw that fight and said, wasn't even close. Wasn't even close. Doesn't deserve a rematch. And, he, and like Nurmagomedov said, especially doesn't deserve a rematch if Poirier and McGregor fight at anything but lightweight. So I hope that this gets all settled and that Nurmagomedov has some say in this because if he has any say, I don't think he's taking that fight, especially if it's at anything but lightweight. I think he's focused on beating Gaethje, and if he beats Gaethje, he wants the, the George St. Pierre fight. That presents another set of problems because he wants that fight to be at lightweight, and I don't know if St. Pierre has the uh, desire to cut down or can cut down, but I think that fight makes more money than McGregor, and I think that fight is much more interesting, even with St. Pierre's age. So we'll see, but I think Nurmagomedov handled this well. He didn't want to talk about it because there's no reason to talk about it, and he cut it off. End of story. And hopefully it stays end of story. Francis Ngannou is not happy. So a few hours ago, he tweeted two title fights in the UFC heavyweight division for the past two years, and yet we don't know if there will be another one anytime soon. Contenders have to fight for something, and then hashtag this is sucks. And then he followed that up. Apparently, Stipe is out until March. If I have to wait until then, it'll be almost another year between fights and then the most recent tweet, I fought once for 20 seconds in the last 16 months. And again, this is sucks. So, Ngannou is in a terrible spot here. Terrible. If Miocic is out till March, that sucks. You can't strip him. Well, you shouldn't strip him. We know the UFC is not his, uh, they're not fans of his. 
But I don't think he strips Stipe Miocic because he's out until March. But then this is kind of the same situation that, that Leon Edwards finds himself in. Could Ngannou take another fight? Yes. Will he take another fight? By the sounds of things, no. And so I'm not going to be surprised if the UFC doesn't turn this around and put it on Ngannou. And in some ways, okay, they can do that. And I'm sure they will because it's not like he has to wait for Miocic. He's deciding to wait for Miocic. So that's the situation he's in. Now, if the UFC is not offering him a fight, that's a different situation. And that that is something that can be dealt with outside of things and should be. If you're not offering this man a fight or there's an opponent that won't take a fight with him, well, then you need to do something. Either raise his money or take some time off his contract because we all know if the fighters turn down fights, they get time added to their contract. And I'm pretty sure that if, you fight or turn, if the UFC can't get a fighter to fight, that the, uh, the reverse is not the same. That same offer is not extended to them. So while I understand why Ngana was pissed, I also see the other side of this because if Miocic is out, he's out. Nothing you can do about that. And Ngano can take another fight. Should he have to? No. If he needs money, he's going to have to. And this is why the UFC keeps pay so low. Because now you have a number one contender. He doesn't have a po- an opponent until March. And he needs, to, he needs a fight because he needs money. So now he's going to have to take a fight he doesn't want to take. He could get hurt. He could lose. And this is why the UFC pay structure is what it is. It forces fighters to take fights that they do not want to or should not have to. But again, this is something the fighters have to to work with. The media can bring this up as much as it wants, as much as it can, and just beat it, beat it beat it to death and nothing will happen until the fighters step up because the UFC is just going to keep underpaying and keeping the fighters under its thumb. That's the business model. Not going to change. Not for Francis Ngannou. Not for John Jones. Not for Jorge Masvidal. Not for Conor McGregor. That's the design and it's always been the design and it's not changing. I'm going to try and get this together on Mike Perry I might fail but I'll try and express this um, in a way that makes sense so we found out today that Mike Perry's ex-wife Danielle Nickerson talked to MMA Junkie about the abuse verbal and physical that she went through when she was married to Perry and we kind of knew this was coming because Perry tried to get in front of it, and I kind of held off on saying anything last night because I wanted to see what kind of information that MMA Junkie had on this story, and it turns out it had every bit of information that should satisfy everyone that this is real and that we should believe Nickerson because they have police recording and court records, as the story says here, that support Nickerson's detailed accounts of Perry's alleged abuse, and also 911 audio, so... If you're looking for information, 
you got it. MMA Junkie also saw the photographs that Nickerson took. She smartly decided not to share those because, as we know, the MMA community would probably shame her, and that's what she said. And I don't understand that, and it's a bad look for the community, and anyone that would do that should not be part of any community, to, to, to be blunt. So what she says here, in the there's also video of um, MMA junkie, Simon Smano spoke to Nickerson, recorded the whole interview, and the 911 call is there. So anyone that wants the information can get it. And, you know, you don't have to just spout off stupidity. Watch the interview, look at the information, and maybe believe maybe believe Nickerson because there's no reason not to because we've seen Perry um, act a fool many times this isn't an, this isn't an isolated incident where Mike Perry goes off the handle something we've seen before so uh, here's what it says in the story Nickerson alleges she was physically assaulted by Perry quote a handful of times unquote the worst of it coming this year in the early morning hours of February 10th Nickerson alleges an enraged Perry, quote, ground and pounded, unquote, her in their home until he got tired after a night on the town in Orlando, Florida. She fled to a neighbor's house where she was picked up by Perry's mother, who took her back to her home in nearby Altamont Springs. When Perry arrived, his mother locked him out and called 911, and the 911 call is included with the interview. Um, and it's... Not good. So here's her quote of the night of February 10th. He had his knee on my belly and just ground and pounded me until he got tired. I did a decent job of covering my face. I still had hematomas on the back of my head. My entire right side from my entire arm, my legs, my ribs, everything was covered in bruises the next few days. He just got all of his anger out of me. And on the last punch, I clearly, I think that's why he stopped out as we heard my rib crack. He knew and sat back, and I think he was just tired, tired of hitting me so much. So, I mean, this paints a picture of Mike Perry, and it's not a pretty one. And I don't know what you do with him. I just don't know what you do with him. Uh, the UFC has not made a comment on it, which doesn't surprise me. When it does make a comment on it, I expect it to be some lame ass. They're going to have a third party investigate it. And that third party will be, of course, paid for by the UFC. So it'll find what the UFC wants it to find. And then it'll go away. Perry's manager had a no comment on it as well. Again, not surprised. So... I expect that at some point they will talk to their lawyers and their PR people and they'll get the spin. Will Dana White shame Nickerson? Probably. He's done it before. He's shamed, he's tried to shame, victim shame in more than one case. Uh, and when it turned out that what he said wasn't accurate, well, then he just shut up about it and forgot about it because he's, you know, just a bullshit artist. And if you need a 
example, it was when the John Jones strip bar incident took place and White said that he saw the video and it doesn't look good for the girl. And then Jones settled out of, out of court. So you don't usually, you don't settle if you're, if you're so innocent and it looked bad for someone else. If it looks so bad, you take that to court. So White has a history of victim blaming and victim shaming. So don't be surprised if that happens. Don't be surprised. What I would like to see probably, um, I mean, rightfully, I, mean, I don't know what, I really, I don't know what to do here. I would like to see Perry released um, and I would like to see Greg Hardy released and I would like to see Anthony Johnson not re-signed because all of these men have domestic abuse on their records. But is any of that going to happen? 99% sure none of that's going to happen. The UFC will investigate this with their third party, will say they found no malfeasance, and Mike Perry will be fighting Robbie Lawler um, in, in November. That's what I think is going to happen. Anything else happens, I'll be incredibly surprised. The only reason something could happen is because Perry is not a moneymaker like some of the other folks were. I mean, I don't know why Greg Hardy is there. He should have never been signed. He's not a moneymaker. Anthony Johnson will make money. Perry, maybe some. But I think Perry, with his actions over the past few years and his, you know, just hitting random people for no reason makes him a little more expendable in the eyes of the fans and of the UFC. So there's a chance he could be released. It's a slim chance. And this is all, you know, goes back to a few years ago when White said that you never come back from laying your hands on a woman. And then he signed... Greg Hardy, and then he was going to resign Anthony Johnson, and you can go down the list. There's many a UFC fighter that has a domestic abuse or a domestic violence charge on their record, and they have either fought for the UFC or are fighting for the UFC. White's words are empty. They're they're usually empty. He's a promoter. He's a professional liar because that's what a promoter is. And this is not going to change him. And I hope Mike Perry is getting the help he said he's getting. I hope Mike Perry gets better from and recovers and stops drinking and, and whatever else is triggering, triggering his outbursts. I hope that gets dealt with. In the meantime, he shouldn't be fighting in the UFC. Remember, the UFC said they wouldn't get him a fight until he got help. And I think he was out of action for about two months before they um, before they booked him again. And I don't think people recover from these issues in that short a time. I don't know if it's possible. I have my doubts, especially with anger issues. I don't think two months of therapy, unless you're going every day, is going gonna, is gonna to fix that. But I'm not therapist so I can't 100% say but 
having some history on the other side, I can say two months, not going to fix it. So I believe, I believe Daniel Nickerson and I believe that the UFC should have a zero tolerance policy to domestic abuse and, you know, racism and other things of that nature. But domestic abuse should be in the number one, the number one thing that the UFC should not tolerate. No one that fights for a living should, should get to fight for a living if they put their hands on a woman. They just should not have that right. And, you know, you're going to hear, well, well, how are they supposed to live a, make a living? I don't know. I don't know. I don't care. If your job is violence and you have a violent charge on your record, you shouldn't be able to do that job. That's pretty simple, I think. But yet, here we are. And hopefully this doesn't just go away and get forgotten about. And hopefully someone in the in the uh, the media that's with the UFC over in Abu Dhabi asks this question. Ask what the story is here. There's a lot of things that the UFC needs to deal with. I think this is the number one question that it's facing right now. And I think it's the number one question that should be asked when White has a press conference. Should it be at the press conference for UFC 254? Yeah. Yeah, it should. This isn't, I don't think this is a scrum question. This is facing the UFC, not one fighter. This is a reflection on the promotion. And as such, it should be asked in a very public manner. Will it be? I have my doubts. Will the UFC even address it? I have my doubts. This is something that needs to be watched, something that needs to be watched carefully, and something that needs to be examined by the media. Some of us will do that. Most of us won't. I'll do that. Most access media will not. They'll write stories about it, but they won't, they won't offer an opinion on it. And if you can't stand up for this, are you going to stand up for anything? Probably not. And that'll be it for tonight. Until tomorrow, everybody stay safe. Thank you.